Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I am Dustin Levy and this will be our last episode of the season. So for the last time, let me introduce my co-host Dan DeLuca. Alex Martin will not be with us for the pod today, but uh, let's get right to it. Uh, Starting with the local teams that are advancing in the playoffs. The game I was at was Dunbar, Laley, uh, the Tigers coming away with the win 21-7. 21-7. to This was an important win for them after uh, being upset as the home playoff team last season. But, you know, credit the Trojans. They played kind of on their terms to have a chance. Uh, their style of, you know, lengthy possessions. Um, they converted a lot of fourth downs. They, they gave themselves a chance. Um, T.J. Abrams for Dunbar uh, had a really good first half with a rushing score and a reception for a touchdown as well. But as we've seen all season, that Dunbar defense was Ben don't break uh, all the way up to um, when the Trojans were possessing the ball just down seven points in the second half uh, at Dunbar's 30-yard line. Javian Stevens on fourth down comes streaming off the edge to tackle Jakeem Tantalus. Uh, it was a big play, and then on their next drive, backed up on third and long from a penalty, uh, Landon Winterbottom hits Anthony Benjamin on a tip pass, uh, you know, the kind of plays that Benjamin has been making all season, and they eventually score on that drive to put this one away. But credit Laley for, for the season that they had, especially starting 0-3, finishing the regular season 4-0. Um, they, they were definitely disappointed with this one, but this was a really positive uh, ending to their season, um, especially shout-out to their seniors, Jakeem Tantalus and Gershom Gurr, because uh, they are really the core of that team, especially on offense. Dan, I wanted to ask you about the team that Dunbar is going to be facing in the next round. Uh, North Fort Myers, they came away with a really big win last Friday. Yeah, beat Baron Collier uh, 49-13. Knew there were some concerns about the North Fort Myers offense and, you know, could they put up enough points in the playoffs? And they, they certainly did it against Baron Collier. And defensively, we know that North is not going to allow a whole lot of points, and they really shut down what, through most of the season, had been a a fairly explosive Baron Collier offense. They've struggled as of late, you know, lost the regular season finale to Gulf Coast, only scored seven points. Uh, Two weeks before that, they were shut out by Laley, which really sort of woke us all up to the fact that, hey, Laley could be a team that could be reckoned with, and they certainly gave Dunbar, you know, a real challenge But for North, I think it's a good sign going forward. They were able to get their offense going. It's still probably a little too reliant on Bo Somerset. I I mean, he's been a phenomenal player during his time at North, uh, especially this season. Um, I think, though, to keep advancing in the playoff bracket, they're going to need to find sort of a running mate or two, a couple other weapons, because as you move along, obviously the teams get tougher, the defenses get better, and if you just have – one real threat that uh, the team can say, okay, we're going to do everything that I can to take away this player. Uh, does North have, you know, that other option to step up? And that, that'll that be the real question. But certainly last Friday, just a great effort by North. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, the matchup with Dunbar, to see uh, who might step up from North if they try to take Somerset away. Uh, we'll get into that matchup in a little bit. 
one team that has uh, no issues as far as running mates, Naples beating Braden River 42-6, to Kendrick Raphael 216 yards with uh, three touchdowns, uh, one of them 73 yards. Isaiah Augustave, uh, 123 yards and two touchdowns. They were up 35 nothing at the half. Basically, you know, not a surprise to see them get through this first round, but uh, yeah, really good win for the Eagles. Another team that didn't have any difficulties in the first round was Bishop Rowe. Uh, Dan, what did the Vikings kind of show this week? Well, what they showed is that they're they're a little more well-rounded on offense than just Carter Smith. Uh, I mean, they had six different players score against Mulberry. Uh, Smith, you know, for his standards, didn't have his typical game. Uh, threw for just over 150 yards, one touchdown. Uh, only rushed for eight yards, did manage to score a rushing touchdown, but they got a big punt return, uh, kick return by Ryan Gadsden. Um, and their running game, even though they didn't run a lot of plays because you had a running clock, they had you know four other players score rushing touchdowns. So I, I think that's a, a good sign for Vero that they don't have to get an A-plus game from Carter Smith every week uh, to be able to win in the playoffs. But honestly, they're going to face uh, teams that going forward that are going to be a lot tougher with Mulberry starting, starting this week against Clewiston. Um, but overall, just a good effort, good effort defensively, too. And, you know, anytime you pitch a shutout in the playoffs, that's nothing to dismiss. So I think, you know, you, you got the best effort out of a row last week. Yeah, and I think it was also a really positive week for their defense. Um, definitely has to give them some confidence moving on. Uh, another game which had a local team advancing was Lehigh uh, on the road, upsetting Palmetto 31-24. It uh, looked like Richard Young is wanting to extend his high school career. Um, he ran for uh, 218 yards and a touchdown on 15 carries. Uh, pretty incredible. So the Lightning have now won four straight games. They haven't lost since September. Um, after a one and three start, it's really impressive. It seems like Dorian Mallory had a nice game at quarterback for them. So uh, they're going to be advancing to take on um, the uh, Venice team um, that beat Riverdale this week. Dan, any thoughts on Riverdale's season? Yeah, I think it was a good season, a good first season under Coach Frank Hepler, you know, in his first year. Did a good job. He came in very late in the year. Uh, did a good job of keeping that team together. Uh, they had some injuries toward the end of the season uh, last week against Venice. Now, now, listen, even if Riverdale was fully healthy, you know, Venice is just a monumental challenge, and, and that's not a team, and I think, you know, Coach Hepler would say this too, that's not a team that Riverdale is built to compete with right now. Um, they had a, a ton of kids out who were sick, and, you know, that gave up 87 points to Venice. Um, there was a little bit of a, like a heated exchange, I guess. During the game, um, you know, the Venice coach, John Peacock, pulled his first string, and, you know, apparently, uh, I guess the kicker is first string. You only have one kicker. So uh, when they were scoring late in the game, they were going for two. I don't know why you just couldn't put your kicker out there with your second team and kick the extra point. But I, I think, you know, that was a lot of frustration too because uh, that's not the effort. That's not the score you want to end your season on. But I think there's a lot of positive things uh, that Riverdale can take out of the season moving forward. And, you know, talking to Coach Hepler after they lost to Lehigh, physically they're not there yet. So I think another year – an off-season in the weight room, um, kids getting really used to the way that Coach Hepler wants to run things. I think Riverdale has uh, a bright future going forward. 
Absolutely. Um, another one of our local teams that went down on the road was Estero. Uh, maybe not by the score we expected. Uh, DeSoto County beating them 34-7. to This was a really close game last year with Estero coming away with the win. Um, but, it, you know, it seems like uh, they kind of got run all over, and uh, DeSoto also forced four turnovers. Um, still a, a really good season for the Wildcats. I think they're really establishing themselves as a winning program for the area, and that's half the battle. Um, the other half being, you know, attracting more numbers, attracting more talent, but it's still a, a good season kind of building off of last year uh, for Coach Darren Nelson. Yeah, if Sarah doesn't have a real explosive offense, so, they, you know, they're not a team that can afford to turn the ball over four times and give up more than 30 points and, and typically win a game, especially not in the playoffs. I think DeSoto County kind of flew under the radar a little bit this year, but they're a good team. And uh, to win there, you've got to have an A-plus effort. And I, I think uh, Coach Nelson will say that Estero didn't have that last week. Another team whose season ended on Friday was Fort Myers going up to Port Charlotte. They lost 40-14. to The Pirates scored on their first five possessions for a 33-7 halftime lead. Um, obviously, that's uh, that's pretty brutal. I just had a feeling after the Dunbar loss that that was such a gut punch with, you know, the comeback that the Tigers had in that game. I thought Fort Myers would have had a chance if they were on the road against North, even if they were on the road against Dunbar, just because of that familiarity, just because it wouldn't be hard to get up for one of those games. Um, but poor Charlotte, especially with the numbers that the, you know they've been putting up on offense. Uh, too tall a task, and now poor Charlotte's going to face Naples, um, so that's a really interesting battle. Uh, Dana, any thoughts on the end of Fort Myers' season? Yeah, it was definitely surprising. Um, I, I think the score was surprising. I, I don't think, you know, Fort Myers losing at Port Charlotte would is a shocker. Port Charlotte's a good team. Uh, they've got a really good offense. They're a physical team. They're a tough team to play against. They do have some vulnerabilities against the pass, which we saw when, you know, Bishop Verreau played them. Bishop Verreau put up, you know, over 50 points. Fort Myers doesn't really have that explosive passing attack, though. They do have some playmakers. I just think, you know, the loss of Dunbar, you can kind of couple that in there with the fact that they had such a compressed schedule in, in the last couple weeks of the of the season, you know, three games in eight days, and that's going to take a toll on you, um, you know, especially when you get to the playoffs up against a physical team, but also they just didn't play well. It's very hard to win in the playoffs when you don't bring your best effort, especially on the road, um, and I, I think we saw that with, with a few of our schools last week. Last game I wanted to touch on, um, Sarasota Riverview has uh, has given our local team some problems, and uh, they went on the road and upset Gulf Coast 29-15. to uh, The Sharks are going to have to wait for their first playoff win. A little surprising, but we knew that the Rams were better than their record. But shout-out to Coach Nichols for a great season in getting to the postseason uh, for the first time with this team, and uh, Connor Barrett uh, for a really standout high school career. So that wraps it up for recapping the first round of the playoffs. After this break, we are going to look at which teams are poised to go the furthest. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at naplesnews.com, news-press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Come on! Well, 
welcome back. Since this is our last part of the season uh, and we won't be catching up with you next week, we thought we'd talk about which teams we think have a chance to really go deep and make some noise this postseason. We have three top seeds, First Baptist, Naples, and Bishop Rowe. Dan, which of those teams do you think stands a good chance? Well, I think they all do. Uh, I think if I had to rank them in terms of, you know, who is is most likely, uh, it probably would be Naples, um, just because they have such a history of performing well in the playoffs. Uh, they'd be facing, if assuming they beat Port Charlotte, they'd be facing the winner of North and Dunbar, um, two programs that they're familiar with. And I think you know, they'd likely be at home. And that's, that's really, if this was a uh, gambling show, you wouldn't make a lot of money betting against Naples. So I, I think they really have uh, the best chance. But First Baptist has a good chance, assuming they're healthy. They had a lot of injuries uh, on the back end of the season. Um, they had a week off last week, um, one less game uh, in 1S. So they, they're right into the semifinals now. And um, they've proven to be a good team this year. I think they have a good chance. And same thing with Vero. Um, Vero will probably have its biggest challenge uh, this week against Cluiston, just from a history perspective. Um, there's not been traditionally a lot of success, uh, you know, when Vero is matched up against Cluiston. And Cluiston, I think similar to DeSoto and Riverview, you know, there's one of those teams where their record doesn't look great, but they're, they're a tough team. They're playing well at the right time. Um, so I think, you know, they've got a, a pretty big challenge this week. But I wouldn't be surprised really to see all three of them in the state semifinals. I mean, we know we're getting one local, well, assuming Naples beats Port Charlotte, you know, we'd be guaranteed one uh, local team in 3S. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, which, which one it would be. And I think Naples is kind of the leader in that clubhouse. And you, you touched on First Baptist. They were our local team who went for this last year, making it to the state final four. Um, I think something that stands out to me is now they have Jaden Booker, who scored 12 touchdowns for them. Um, so if they're even better than last year, I think, you know, watch out for, for the Lions. They, they really, um, especially in 1S, I think they have a really good shot. Um, when it comes to Vro, are, are you convinced that, you know, this team kind of has what it takes for a deep run? I think if they play well, if, if they play their game, they're going to be tough to beat because you know you're going to have to put up some points. At this stage, until we get to the Final Four, I, I don't think a team defensively that's in front of them has the ability to hold Vero below 30 points, let's say. I mean, unless, you know, we have a bunch of turnovers or something like that. If they don't play well, uh, and anybody can beat them. I mean, because you have Cluson this week, you likely would have Frostproof next week. Those are schools that have a lot of tradition, a lot of playoff tradition, success in the playoffs. Now, they're not playing those teams and those past players, but sometimes when you're in a program that has a tradition of success, the expectations are there, and kids feel like they need to live up to that. So you get that that little bit of an of an extra boost from that. Vero hasn't been in a regional final since 2001. Um, so as well as they played this year, there isn't a lot of muscle memory in the program of having that recent playoff success. And even though it's different kids, different coaches, 
you know, I don't think you just say, well, we're just going to throw all that out. Uh, there is something to be said for that. But talent-wise, Vero, yes, definitely has the ability to be a Final Four team. And I think if we were looking at it, they're probably the most likely choice out of the teams remaining in, in that region to make the Final Four. One team I wanted to touch on before we moved on is uh, the only team we have that's undefeated, which is ECS. They are 8-0. They will play Moorhaven on Friday if they get past that. They will play First Baptist. Obviously, the Lions uh, might be favored there, but definitely, you know, you, you can't disregard a team that just hasn't lost this year. No, not at all. And it's just a matter of, you know, did they face enough quality opponents during the season where you can get in a situation in the playoffs where you fall behind by one score. You know, there's a turnover, and now you're down two scores. Okay, what what are you drawing upon from your experiences in the regular season to say, hey, we can we can overcome that? ECS hasn't really been in that position a whole lot during the regular season. So I think it's important for them, especially against Moorhaven this week with the week off, you know, riding kind of that, you know, undefeated season high to, to start well and, and start fast and to get up on top. If, you know, they let Moorhaven kind of hang around, get a lead, I think the longer that game goes, you know, ECS could be in trouble. So before we get into each of the matchups this Friday, um, since this is our last pod, I, I wanted to uh, throw this question to you, Dan. Um, what are you going to remember first about this season of uh, your kind of return to, to high school sports? Uh, I'll remember the hurricane, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, I think looking at what the school districts were able to do in in kind of getting football back and, and going again, you know, I, I think – in a certain respect, they both Lee and Collier need to be commended for, you know, trying to get back to normal as quickly as possible. I know there's some concern that, you know, is that insensitive? You know, why is football take on that much importance? But I, I think it it really helps sort of bring the community a little bit together, let people know, hey, things are going to get back to normal eventually, get back into the old routines. And uh, I know we were all really excited about this football season and the potential uh, that existed for some of our teams to do some some pretty big things. And I, I think we've been able to preserve that. Uh, so while you remember kind of, you know, how Ian interrupted any, everything, I, I think I'll remember how quickly, you know, we were able to kind of get back toward some semblance of normalcy. And I, and I think overall that'll benefit uh, the community and, and, uh, and all the kids this year that had an opportunity to have their season salvaged. I probably would have said something similar uh, before seeing that uh, incredible Dunbar come back against Fort Myers where they came down uh, two scores in the final five minutes and forced overtime. That was just definitely the best game I, I, I've seen since moving down here. And just a, a shout out to a few players who definitely caught my attention. Um, Carter Smith putting up um, just crazy numbers week in, week out, kind of putting himself in position to maybe set a few uh, Lee County records. I, he's already, you know, set some some school records with Vero, uh post Somerset in the senior season for the Red Knights, uh, just doing everything, punting, rushing, throwing, <laughs> intercepting passes. He, he just does it all. He's a the Swiss Army knife player of Lee County. And another one who maybe I, I don't talk about enough is David Perkins, the, the running back for Dunbar. He, he's just a, a really fun player to watch. He, he's 
a big back. Um, he runs really tough. He has this spin move, which is just he's you know every time the ball in his hands, it, it's a fun play. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to, to give those players a quick shout before moving on to the games on Friday. Dan, which of the games do you think is going to be the best? I think it's going to be North and Dunbar. Um, really look forward to seeing how that one plays out. Uh, it was a one-score game uh, first time around. I don't know if it was that close. You know, Dunbar really had kind of control of that game for a long time. North Fort Myers scored a late touchdown. I think North Fort Myers is a little more settled on offense right now than they were at that point in the season when they played Dunbar. Maybe Dunbar has kind of struggled a little bit offensively. I, I mean, Laley's a tough team defensively, but I, I would have expected Dunbar to put up more than 21 points uh, against Laley. These are two really good defenses. Uh, so I think it's going to come down to, you know, who's able to make, you know, get that key turnover, get that key fourth down stop. I think it's going to be probably a closer game, maybe not necessarily on the scoreboard um, because it was a, you know, I think it was 17 to 8 or 17 to 9 the first time they met. It could be that kind of score again, but I think it'll be a closer matched game. I, I think Dunbar the first time really you know, had control of that game almost the whole way. And I don't think we're going to be seeing that same kind of thing for either Dunbar or North uh, this week. Yeah, the, the thing that stood out about that Week 2 game uh, was Dunbar's bend-don't-break defense. Um, North got to the Dunbar red zone multiple times, but, you know, time and time again, I said it last week, there's something supernatural about Dunbar when they face other teams in the county because it's uh, two years now since they've had a loss. Um, a couple other games to look at, definitely – Lewis Simbro, it will be big if the Vikings can get over that hump. Uh, and our two local teams going at it, uh, CSN at First Baptist, uh, definitely like the Lions' chances there, but uh, it's going to be cool to see the, the two Collier County teams go at it. So after this break, we are going to come back and make our picks for some of these contests. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, Go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Welcome back, and for the last time, we are going to be making our picks. Let's start with Lehigh at Venice. Dan, do you think uh, the Lightning can pull off an upset here? Well, Venice isn't the juggernaut that they've been in years past. Uh, you know, they're defending state champions. They do have three losses this year. They've all come against, you know, really good programs. But in past years, Venice was beating all those really good programs, you know, pulling off undefeated state championship uh, seasons. They have the same amount of losses as Lehigh. They both come into this game with three losses. Lehigh definitely coming off their best performance of the season start to finish last week and in, in winning at Palmetto. So they've shown they can win on the road in the playoffs against a team that's considered to be better than they are. Um, it'd be a huge upset, I think, though, for them to beat Venice, even though they do have the best weapon on the field. Uh, they'll have the best player on the field in Richard Young, and so that means that they have a chance. 
I just, you know, I look at Naples went up to Venice, lost by one point, 12 to 11. Uh, first game of the season, and I know Lehigh wasn't playing well in the early part of the season. They lost to Naples 45 to 9. Uh, so I think there's a significant gap there between Lehigh and Naples. And in this matchup with Venice, uh, I think I'm going to pick Venice. Um, I don't think it will be a blowout. It could be, though. Um, it's been hard to trust Lehigh this year, right? You're, you're not sure what you're going to get. If they give the same effort and, and same performance, and Dorian Mallory, who's been coming on, can have a another good game against a really good defense, probably the best defense he's placed all year, then, yeah, Lehigh has a shot. If they can get this game in the fourth quarter, one score, they have a shot. But I, I just think, ultimately, it would be very difficult to pick against Venice at home, and I'm going to go with them. Alex also went with Venice, and I will go with Venice as well. But I do think, um, like you said, coming off of this, you know, this winning streak that Lehigh is on and Richard going for 200 yards last week, um, you know, they are poised to, to make some noise here. So it could definitely be, you know, a very enticing contest. Uh, next, we got Port Charlotte at Naples. I will pick first here. I'm going to go with Naples. Um, I don't think we should overlook the Pirates, um, how they handled Fort Myers last week. They're averaging 40 points a game. I think they're going to score on Naples, and that even though that defense has played well all year, but I just, you know, two-headed monster that they have at running back has, you know, they just haven't been stopped much, if at all, this season. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm going to go with Naples as well. But, you know, Jordan Ingmans, he's done such a good job up at, at Port Charlotte. I mean, they're, they're a tough team every year. Nobody really wants to play them. Um, and I think they're going to give Naples a game. I wouldn't be surprised if this is, you know, a one-score game, real close, kind of low-scoring game at halftime. I, I think ultimately, though, you know, Naples just has too many weapons, and they're too good defensively to let Port Charlotte just kind of run all over them like they did with Fort Myers last week. So I think Naples will win. Alex is also going with the Golden Eagles. Uh, moving on to another top seed, uh, Bishop Rowe, they will be hosting Cluiston. How big a challenge do you think Cluiston will be uh, to Rowe's chances? I think it's going to be a big challenge. I mean, Cluiston lost. They started the season 0-4, um, but all four of those teams made the playoffs, and three of them won pretty decisively last week. So they had a real tough schedule, and you know they won five in a row now, including last week. They beat Fort Meade 29-27. Uh, they stopped a late two-point conversion with about three minutes left to kind of hold on uh, to a game that they had pretty good control of. Uh, they have a real good running back in uh, Chauncey Cobb, who kind of lines up under center. He's also, you know, Cluson doesn't pass the ball a whole lot. They're only averaging, uh, you know, like under 10 passes per game. So it's going to be a kind of a run, a run-based attack, and it's just a matter of, you know, can that Bishop Verreau front line kind of hold up because Cluson is just going to try to run the football, grind out the clock, and keep that, you know, explosive Bishop Verreau offense, Carter Smith, you know, on the sidelines. So Verro's defense is going to have to find a way uh, to get off the field. And they don't have a, a, a lot of history against Cluson. Just 1-23 all-time against Cluson. The, the one season that they did beat Cluson in the regular season, 2002, uh, they beat them 31-28. And then in the regional semifinals, same stage we are right now, Cluson ended up winning in overtime 30-27 to, to, to send Bishop Verro home. Uh, so... 
This would exercise a lot of demons for Bishop Vero for a lot of past teams that had their seasons ended and um, you know had a lot of frustrating uh, losses to Cluison. I think Bishop Vero is going to win this game just because I think they're they're the more talented team, but they're going to have to play well and not overlook Cluison. Uh, if they do, the Tigers could bite them, but um, I'm going to stick with Bishop Vero. Alex is also going with Vero. I am going to go with the Vikings as well. However, I, I think this is, could be a close one. Um, I think what could make the difference is that Vero just has that balance on offense with Carter Smith, with uh, Deshaun Jenkins, um, who was really broken out in his freshman campaign. It's going to be a test for the Vero defense, um, just you know, staying disciplined against that rushing attack. But I think this is going to be a good game, but I'm going to give the edge to Vero. Uh, moving on down to CSN at First Baptist. I'm going to take the Lions here. Alex is also taking the Lions. Um, you know, we haven't talked much about CSN, but they have some weapons. Uh, Decker Crosby, in his last outing, threw uh, for 335 yards and four touchdowns uh, against ECS. The uh, Seahawks ended up losing that game, but um, I think the Lions will handle their business here. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think First Baptist is the better team. I think they've been... You know, sort of when you have the success that First Baptist has had, that Naples has had, I mean, the regular season is it's just sort of like the appetizer, right? Like, you know, you're going to be in the playoffs and you know you have bigger goals, especially, you know, with as far as First Baptist advanced last year. I mean, they've been waiting for this opportunity for, for a year to get back into the playoffs and, and to go further. And I, I think it'll start um, this week against CSN for First Baptist will win. And I think it'll be pretty easy. Our other 1S school, this could potentially uh, set up a local matchup in the region. Moorhaven at ECS. Dan, what say you? I'm going to go with ECS. I mean, they're at home. Um, they're uh, undefeated regular season, played really well. This could be, you know, one of the tougher teams they face, though. I just think Tanner Helton in that passing attack, uh, LJ Blackwell's ability to run the football this year, I think that that gives them that sort of multifaceted approach that Vero has uh, also, and uh, that really helps in the playoffs. I, I think in, in, when you're a one-dimensional team, you tend to get exposed eventually in the playoffs unless you're just so much bigger and stronger and, and faster than, than the team you're playing against. But I, I think the ability that ECS has you know, to pass the football, to run the football effectively is going to pay off for them, and I think they'll beat Moorhaven. This is actually a rematch of a Week 2 game with ECS coming away with a 28-15 victory. Um, but that's one of the closer games that the Sentinels have had all season. Um, they've, they've just had so many blowout wins, so many shutouts, um, but I, I like ECS here, and so does Alex. Uh, for the last game, maybe we'll, we'll get some disagreement here. North Fort Myers at Dunbar. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I kind of mentioned this earlier. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think it's going to come down to turnovers. I think it's going to come down to which team's offense can be more effective uh, controlling the football, moving the football against you know, two really tough defenses. And uh, just like I mentioned with, with ECS and with Vero, uh, I think Dunbar has the better passing game. I think Landon uh, Winterbottom, uh, Anthony Benjamin out wide, I, I just think that they've been more consistent passing the football than North has this year. Um, North arguably has the best player, you know, in Bo Somerset that if you said – 
which player, if he wasn't on his team, that team would would sort of not have the season they have right now. I think it's Bo Somerset. I mean, just does everything uh, for North Fort Myers, you know, including playing receiver. I'm just not sure that the passing game, they, they can get him the ball effectively throwing the football. I think Dunbar is too good defensively for you to just try to line up and run the ball against them. Uh, I think it'll be close just because North's defense is, is playing really well now. Um, but I, I think ultimately, you know, that Dunbar's going to be able to make a few plays in the passing game that's, that's going to allow them to either control the football a little longer or, you know, score a, a little bit more uh, than North can. So I think Dunbar will win, but I think it'll be a one-score game. Alex is going with North Fort Myers here. I don't know if he has that written in Sharpie, um, but I will uh, go ahead and break the tie here. I'm going to go with the Tigers. Um, like I've been saying, just something about them in Lee County. They've just handled their business, and their defense, it's just, you know, teams can move the ball on them. They can get in the red zone with them, but it's so difficult to score on them. Um, you mentioned, you know, Bo being that weapon for North. You know, even though Bo was the one who, who scored their lone touchdown um, in their Week 2 game, they really did a good job of um you know, making North try to beat them with other players. So I, I'm going to go with Dunbar in that game, uh, which hopefully is going to be a, a really exciting one with a lot of people uh, turning out. So that about wraps it up for the podcast and our, our season here. Um, so this may be the podcast finale, but we are going to have plenty of content. So please stay tuned to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. For Dan DeLuca and Alex Martin, I'm Dustin Levy. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.